by the time you see this, you will have gotten an extra hour of sleep. Praise the Lord for rest. So we all should be ready to hear the word of the Lord, awake and alert. Philippians 3, starting at verse 12 today. Philippians 3, 12, going through the end of the chapter. And I will be reading from the NRSV. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Paul has been talking about knowing Christ and the power of the resurrection. He has been telling the church how he longs to share in the sufferings of Jesus by becoming like the Lord in death. If only, he says, he could experience the resurrection to eternal life when the time comes for him. As Pastor Nikki preached last week, Paul used to have many goals in his life, ones that were in line with his education and his standing and his lineage and his culture. And now he considers all of those ideals and hard work as meaningless, as rubbish, he says, compared to knowing Jesus. Jesus who has made Paul his own. What a beautiful thing to say. We are made to be in relationship with Christ. Paul's longing isn't just what he wants. It's the universal cry of the human spirit. Paul lets go of everything that he held as precious in his life in order to know the Savior not just in a foggy mirror as we do on earth, but face to face one day is his hope. That is why Paul keeps going, he says. That is why he presses on. Nothing is more important than knowing Jesus. And this scripture is a reminder to the church that that is our goal in every age, in every time, in every place. So we're going to look at three ideas 
from, from this passage before communion today. So idea number one, I want to ask, what is it that you have attained in Christ? Stop and think about that. Paul is talking about what we've gained by knowing Jesus. What is it that you have gained by knowing the Savior? This passage encourages the reader to look around their lives and to see what they have obtained and to hold on, hold on fast to the Savior. This is really good. Don't focus on what you have given up for God as much as what you have gotten out of being connected to Jesus, the life-changing presence walking with the Lord every day. Jesus asks a good question when he says, What shall it profit a person if they gain the whole world but suffer the loss of their soul? When I think about my life, I am grateful that the Lord saved me as a teenager. He spared me a lot of heartache and poor choices, although I still manage to make quite a few. Yet Paul is right. Nothing compares to the surpassing joy of knowing the living God. Not one thing. Not the best job, relationship, pleasure, anything that we could purchase or accomplish here. The best of everything doesn't compare to knowing Christ. Nothing comes close. We are made to know God, and when we do, our souls are filled with the one who gives the sun its light. We are filled by the one who lovingly knits each child in their mother's womb, the one who has storehouses of snow and who tells the proud ocean waves where to stop. We are filled with the one who dies in our place. So when we have the life of Christ in us, everything changes. When we could say that we have been given forgiveness and purpose and community and joy, it's hard to translate why those things matter. It's hard to express what the life, the Holy Spirit of Christ in us means and looks like every day. But those things are there and are so important and life-giving so let us hold tight to Jesus and give thanks for what we have in him as we move forward to the finish line. Verse 13 says, we strain forward to what lies ahead. We hold on to Christ and we press forward to the real life that awaits us. Knowing our goal helps us know where to run and how to run. If it's not Christ, if Christ isn't our goal, then we need to figure out what is. And why we're running and whether or not it's worth it. Idea number two. Paul says to imitate him. We've talked about this before. He says to imitate him and to observe those people who have lived a good example of Christ in them. He says, don't look at the bad examples all around. Those who live as enemies to the cross grieve the heart of God. And is, the end is going to be their destruction because they fill themselves only with what is here. 
This is All Saints Day, and I think this ties into exactly what Paul is saying when he says, observe those who live holy and good lives around you, who are examples of the faith. All Saints Day is set aside for remembering those who go before us, who now live in the presence of God. We join them in worship. They worship the Lord all the time, and when we worship, we are joining in the heavenly worship. The earliest observance of All Saints Day was recorded in the 4th century, but it was formally adopted as a day by Pope Boniface IV in the year 609, when he dedicated the Pantheon in Rome to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and those who had been martyred for the faith. Now, even after the Reformation, many Protestants kept this day as a day of giving the Lord thanks for the faithful Christians who have passed over the gold line of their faith. In 2003, Pope John Paul II said this, We observe today, as All Saints Day, the solemnity of all the saints. This invites us to turn our gaze to the immense multitude of those who have already reached the blessed land and points us on the path that will lead us to that destination. When Mark's mother, Judy, passed away, she wrote all of us letters. She loved the Lord with all of her heart, and although she would have wanted to stay to see her children and grandchildren continue to grow, she was ready to meet Jesus. She knew it was hard for us to go on without her, so she wrote all of us notes that were unique for each person. Here's how mine started. Colleen, if you are reading this, I am in heaven. What a glorious place to be. I've always imagined it, and now I am able to experience the reality of what I believed. I think about her words often. Heaven, what a glorious place to be for those who trust Christ and who long for the home prepared for those who love him. Who do you honor today? Who remains in your heart and mind but has gone on to be with Jesus? I can think of so many. Those people who inspired us by their faith who prayed for us, who served the Lord with gladness, who bore so much fruit for the kingdom, who encouraged others, who grew in Christ-likeness, even though life was hard, even though life was painful and difficult, they continued to trust the Lord in their time here. On our bulletin, you'll see quotes from those uh, saints from around the world. What I like is how all of them express how they are cheering on those of us who are still here to keep the faith, to press on toward the goal. Those who finish the race can continue through their words and writings to spur us on to love and good deeds. And may we one day be remembered as those who were faithful to God. May we be ones who embolden others to live for Christ while still here. Idea number three. Paul is talking about a very timely idea here for us, citizenship in heaven. This is the only time this word occurs in the New Testament. In the time of this writing, being a Roman citizen was a high honor and prize. 
is it brought identity to the lofty empire. To be a citizen meant one had rights that were a great advantage in terms of owning property and legal contracts and marriage and holding office and voting. Citizens could gain more wealth and power because they were citizens and then pass on that privilege to their children and grandchildren. When Paul was arrested, he used his Roman citizen to his advantage on purpose so that he wouldn't be whipped or tortured or receive the death penalty without a fair trial. We talked about how the Philippians prized their connection to Rome as they emulated so many characteristics of the empire. Instead of being uniquely Philippian in their nature, they were undeniably Roman. And Paul uses this fact to remind them that Roman colonists never forget that they belong to Rome. And so in the same way, because it's prized and wonderful of a place, Christians should never forget that heaven is the place where they give their allegiance. Paul is telling the church to look and sound like people who belong to a different realm instead of the place where they are currently located. Citizens of all nations, including ours today, have certain rights which are highly valued. Paul is reminding the believers that we have a dual citizenship here and in heaven with Christ. But more than even holding on to the duality that we belong to, Paul is exhorting us that we are part of the heavenly city first and foremost. And when we arrive in that place, we expect Jesus to transform us with the new body as we experience and recognize his lordship fully over us. This is where our true hope lies, not where we currently reside, but in the place where we someday will be soon. Paul ends by talking about how Jesus will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. In the place where all things are made new, we will once again be become more like him as we resurrect from our mortal death. So as we come into communion, it is startling to us once again how Jesus takes all of our wrongdoing, all of our pain, all of our heartache, all of our brokenness, all the things that we do and all the things that are done to us on his body, on himself. The sin we commit as individuals, but also he takes on himself the framework of the sin of the institutions and the bodies and systems and families. So we come to this moment in our journey asking Jesus for healing and for strength as we press on through faith. We bring our fractured lives to him and ask that he would make us whole, believing in what he is doing now and looking forward to the day that will come when all things will be made new through his power and grace. May we rejoice today in what we have gained through Christ. May we live by faith in our journey as we press forward to the goal. And may we remember that we are citizens first of God's kingdom in all we do 
and all we accomplish and all we want to see changed here. In the sacred act of communion, may this be a significant moment of Christ meeting us where we are and encouraging us and leading us forward to eternity. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.